welcome to Virtual Coffee with me, Fernanda Madani. I'm glad to have you join me today as I introduce you to new ideas, stories, and the interesting people behind them. So grab your tea or coffee and let's get to it. This is Virtual Coffee with Fernanda Madani. Sabrina, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Do you know what I really miss? I miss grabbing coffee with people, but you know, at least we're here, we're able to talk and make the most out of it due to technology. Now, for those of you listening at home, wondering who Sabrina is, she is Director of Admissions, Student Recruitment and Outreach at Aston University. It got me thinking about just the concept of grades. So a lot of people tend to think that grades define you. And I know for me personally, I thought, okay, I need to get the highest grades that I can because without them, um, I'm not going to be able to get to university and I'm not going to get into a magic circle law firm. I'm not going to be able to do any of the things that I'm really seeing as the pinnacle of success. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I think that obviously there's a real space for grades in terms of entry criteria and there are specific subjects like medicine, like law that you've mentioned, um, where there, oh, no. there's, there is importance placed on grades. But I think it's really also important for young people to know that you know your achievements at 18 the grades that you get that's not that's not who you are for the rest of your life um and you know it can be a really scary time thinking oh i've done worse than i planned or you know i haven't done as well as i should have and actually you know it it, it can be so disheartening to be in that situation and who mm-hmm. you are at 18 is, is not who you're going to be when you're 30 or you know when you're 40 and grades are important but they're not who you are so you shouldn't you know it can't be the be all and end all basically you know I wish I'd had somebody say that to me when I was in when I was 18 and really excited to go to university so you know for me like on a personal level when I was deciding what to do I really wanted to go study law. I thought maybe I want to study something else, but I couldn't quite figure out which course I wanted to do. I'd always been quite like a high achieving student, always had straight A's and didn't really have a reason to doubt my ability. So I was like, cool, I will apply. And then luckily I um, got my acceptance from the London School of Economics. And I was really, really excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to LSE, like, and I had tunnel vision after that. And I was thinking, okay, I'm studying seven subjects um, at A-level International Baccalaureate. And, you know, all I need are, you know, straight A's. And I knew already I was having like A's across the board and a couple A stars. So for me, it wasn't a case of, okay, it's never going to happen. It was, it was very much a set goal and it was very much straight path. And then next thing I knew is I go down to, um, what was it, results day. And I woke up so early and I'm going to tell my mom, okay, it's results day. Today is the day. I'm literally, I'd already selected where I was going to stay and I was so prepared. And then I remember walking into my um, sixth form and opening my piece of paper and literally I was like, okay somebody give me my real grades because i don't know who this is but it can't be me and then it hit me i'd missed an a in each subject by one point oh that is in heartbreaking six subjects one point and you know i begged and i begged i was like please please can you send my um 
can you send my papers to be remarked? And the school's like, no. And this, I'd actually changed schools for sixth form because I really wanted to do international baccalaureate because like um, the chances of being able to study in the US if I wanted to, or being able to study at LSE or Cambridge. So I thought, okay, I'm going to move from my school where I was having straight A's, I'm going to go there, I'm going to get good grades. And suddenly, not that my grades were bad, but it's that fear of missing the mark. And you know, when you feel like I'm literally so close, but so far as well. And because it was one mark across the board, it meant that I just, I couldn't get in. And the worst thing was, you know how usually when you check on UCAS in the, in the morning before you even go, before you get your results, you probably know, did I get in, did I not? Um, yeah. I, I checked my results and it didn't come up. And at that point in time, the teacher we had had didn't actually connect our results or our academic structure to UCAS. Mm -hmm. So um, the London School of Economics didn't have my grades. So I now knew that I didn't get in and then I had to send my own grades back. And now I found myself in this space where I was going through clearing. And at that point, it was a very scary moment because I feel like sometimes people don't talk about mm -hmm. not necessarily having conventional journeys towards mm -hmm. finding the right course for you. And I think as well, like nobody, um, nobody, remembers that for, for you know there are students who get the exact grades that they want and they are smooth mm -hmm. sailing and you know I, I really love that for them but there's some students who that's not the reality and actually I think there isn't enough of a conversation about what next what what, mm -hmm. what happens next because in that moment you you know you're 18 you've worked your whole school career up to that point to those results and it can be absolutely devastating to not mm -hmm. get what you had your heart set on but then further than that to find out that you didn't get the university place like that you know young people have so much pressure in so many other areas I could not be a teenager um in you know 20 2020 I was almost said 2019 then five months in um <laughs> but, you know, I could not be a teenager now because of the, those pressures and then to think about something like that that you know that's quite a large life event that happens and I don't I, mm -hmm. you, I think you're completely right people don't talk enough about what happens if you don't if things are derailed from the plan that you had literally and you you're so spot on because in that moment i think even that's why i really make it clear to let people know you know i went through clearing and then weirdly enough people are always asking me oh fernando if you could go back um for those who don't know i ended up going to aston university because it's weird because i chose london school of economics because it was a city-based uni and at that point in time i was doing some work with sky news in different places and traveling a lot around the city so for me my priority was not necessarily um, the level of teaching or the education, the actual course, but can I go to uni? But can I also go to my different engagements yeah. between those times? And that's why I chose someone that was close to underground. And then later on, when I was going through clearing, I had offers from quite a few institutions and I chose Aston because I was like, the train is 15 minutes walk away <laughs> from my lecture hall. And I, get, I can get from equity and trust um, London Houston within two hours and I was like sounds like a good deal for me and I think that was a very important moment for me because I ended up going somewhere that ended up being very very perfect for me but going back to that point I was saying 
I make a statement to let people know that I went through clearing so that people can realize it's normal and that mm -hmm. having a blimp in your grades and at that point in time as well, you know, you can have a different grades due to so many different circumstances and that being able to have those conversations and to feel like I can be creative with the life journey that I go on. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, There's, there shouldn't be shame and stigma attached to it. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of young people do feel a shame and stigma attached to maybe just having to change their plans, go through clearing. And actually, it's a very normal part of the university cycle. Um, and the, the reason that it's there is to um, facilitate this and help this. It, you know, it wouldn't be there if it wasn't a normal process that students could use. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's actually loads of um, really great people who um, have had the same sort of um, the same sort of journeys that have been derailed. They haven't gone through, uh, you know, super academic um, route. But, you know, Vera Wang, who actually I found mm -hmm. out the other day is 70, looks incredible for her age. She looks amazing. I was like, wow, I saw the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, so Vera Wang, um, Eminem, he obviously really famously had to leave um, education at 17 to support his family and get a job. Um, Bill Gates left in the middle of his um, college education at Harvard to start his own company. Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, you know, these are people who mm -hmm. have got really great business acumen um, and have, you know, they haven't been on that traditional route. There is no there's no shame, there's nothing wrong with not following a traditional route. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that brings us on to the importance of finding your passions. So a lot of the time, I think growing up, pre things are starting to change now, but generally there's been a consensus of, you know, get your grades, follow the academic mm -hmm. path, a traditional route, and, you know, stay on that path. But now we live in the decade where, you know, you can really, if the job that you want isn't there, you can create it. And, oh, um, you know, your grades can help you along that way, but also it brings in the importance of soft skills. I don't know if you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that. I think that I think soft skills are so important. Um, you know, there are so many um, students who are in the middle of their student journey will have an amazing idea, and suddenly they become amazing entrepreneurs. Look at um, Jim Shark, the person who owns that. I think his name is mm -hmm. Ben Francis. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he had this amazing idea and just decided to go with it. Um, so in that sense, it is a really exciting time um, for for people who are passionate or find a passion in something and know that they absolutely want to do that because it's not the same as it was where it was like you have to do elephants then you have to do a degree, then you have to get work experience. And then maybe when you're in your late 20s, you can go and seek out that senior um, or middle to management job, and then you, you know you progress that way. Um, we're in we're in an age of change makers, of innovators, mm -hmm. and actually there's no set time where you have to do that. And if you have the passion and the drive and and the energy to learn some soft skills around that, even just basic skills like how to build a website, um, coding, um, you know anything like that. Um, it might not be part of your formal education, but it's part of the education that you're investing in yourself for your life. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And there's no there's no right or wrong time to do that. Not at all. And you know, um, speaking of people, not everybody has a particular blip in, in say their studies. And one thing that I've also realized as well is, you know, let's talk about the 
love that people have for side hustles and we mm-hmm. kind of feel like there's we're in a generation where people feel like if they don't have a side hustle they're not doing enough or if they're not juggling 15 different mm-hmm. things at one time they're not doing enough and there's something very satisfying about um even if you do go the traditional path and you find the job that suits you that is perfectly okay that you don't necessarily mm-hmm. well i personally feel like you don't have to have the pressure to now go and become an entrepreneur in order to feel validated in your abilities. Yeah, I agree 100%. But I think as well, um, it's about everybody carving out their own niche. Like there's not an infinite amount of space where, you know, there's only 10 spaces for people to do things. We live in a world where there's space for every kind of idea and it's just Mm -hmm. about making it happen. And I know actually that sounds like um, a really rose-tinted way of, of looking at things because that, you know, relies on the fact that, you know, there are certain privileges in place for people to be able to um, to be able to do that. You know, they've got a, a safe environment. Um, you know, they, they um, live in a, a house where they used to study, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think it, even aside from that, there's, there is a lot of space for people to create ideas and create things for themselves. And again, it is not just about, I got three A's at A-levels, therefore I'm the only people allowed to create this. Actually, that creation and that space is for everybody, regardless of ability. Do you know, that leads into that question that people always ask, you know, what is intelligence? Yeah. Because sometimes people feel like, you know, grades are the biggest measure of how academically able you are or how able you are to do a job but I don't know what would you what comes to mind when you think intelligence um when I when I think about I think everybody is intelligent in their own way because Mm -hmm. somebody might have really great emotional intelligence but might not have um you know fully thrown themselves into academic skills. Somebody might be an absolutely amazing business person and takes massive risks every day. And there's an intelligence in that that not everybody has. It's a gut feeling intelligence. And I think intelligence, everybody has it. It's just manifests itself or presents itself in lots of different ways. With with regards to grades, I don't, obviously you have to have a certain level of intelligence to be able to study a subject at whatever level. But I don't Mm -hmm. believe that just because you're good at one thing, you have that broad based intelligence. I think that's where soft skills and life skills come into it. Mm -hmm. That is really, really spot on because I was talking to a mentor of mine and one of the things we spoke about was how different people have intelligence that serves the community and serves global organizations in so many different ways. For example, you may have a um, lad who may not necessarily be the biggest book smart, most book smart person when it comes to comprehension, but when it comes to actually, you know, their street smarts and being able to um, spot danger and respond to it in a really way, or being able to spot an argument and be and be able to de-escalate that um, is a fantastic level of intelligence on their part. And in fact, they may be very well suited to becoming a police officer or um, mm. serving the community in a whole different other public facing way. But sometimes when people don't get to hear that they are intelligent in their own right from a young age, they feel like if my grades don't match up to a certain standard or to like the epitome of excellence, which is like maybe A star, mm. A star, A star, mm. um, I, I should really stop dreaming. Mm. 
And I think it's a stigma that you you can carry um, with you throughout your whole life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll tell you um, a, a really personal story. When I was in primary school, I really wanted to be an astronaut. I was like obsessed, um, like the hugest nerd ever. You were and just my such a years... cute astronaut. I, just, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I can just see it now. <laughs> And um, my year six teacher told me, well, you're not ever going to become an astronaut. So think about something else. And even though I was like, really loved it, was so passionate about it. It actually that stayed with me for so long that it actually made me think, oh, maybe I'm bad at science. Am I bad at science? That is that why I can't do it? I'm not smart enough. Um, So Mm -hmm. those words that that not only um, the words that you tell yourself are so powerful. Um, so if you already carry a stigma of like, oh, you know, nobody in my family's been to university or, um, you know, I don't know anybody who works in the city, for example. So that's not going to be for me. Um, I think that stigma stays with you. And you kind of, um, as a young person or even as an adult, you talk yourself out of doing these things because you think that it's not for you. Uh, I think the words that you tell yourself are as powerful as the words that other people tell you. And um, I think if you carry that with you or, you know, I don't know anybody in my family that's been to university. I don't know anybody on my street who works in the city. Like you kind of talk yourself out of dreaming big. or You talk yourself out of following your dreams or thinking outside of the box for yourself because you get you get stuck in that the stigma, not that other people have created for you, but a stigma that you've also created for yourself. Do you know, that's a very strong statement and very important statement to make because it highlights how sometimes as people, it's very easy to blame other people and say, okay, um, this person said this and because of them, I never stepped into this industry. And I know we all do it in in so many different situations, but the hardest thing to say is, yes, they said that, but I, in a way, allowed myself to accept it. And not only did I accept it, but I added to it. For example, yeah. you know, by saying, oh, now I'm not good at maths. Or so if you get one bad grade, you're like, I'm just going to accept that this is all there is mm-hmm. for me. And that's a bit of like a mentality thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, but you ha- I think it's easy for um, someone my age now to say, you know, you have a choice. You can you choose whether you want to feel that way or you choose um, whether you're going to carry that stigma. But I think when you're young and you're in that situation, you don't have the the um, the bravery that comes with age and experience to decide I'm not going to feel like this anymore or I'm not going to give that statement any power in my life. Like you don't know that when you're young, do you? You don't. You don't know mm-hmm. that you can choose that. And I feel like. Th- in, that, in those situations, the responsibility upon, you know, the different adults in your life at that point um, or your teachers at your formative stages is really on them to be careful of the words that they say mm-hmm. or, you know, if they are going to give a, some, a piece of advice is to phrase it in more of a constructive way that still gives you room to dream and to yeah. dream that something is, you know, achievable until you get to a stage where, you realize yourself either it's not achievable because you particularly don't have the technical ability to do it or it's not achievable because you no longer actually are interested in that thing anymore but giving you the it would have been nice if you had been given the space to decide ultimately about being an astronaut by yourself rather than just being told to stop 
Yeah. And I think like when I actually was a curious child, so I did say, why? Why do you mm-hmm. think that? Like, why should I pick something else? And, you know, she never she would never said it. She just said, oh, I think you should pick something else. And actually, um, as a young person in a really um, inner city Birmingham, you know, I think that I'll back on that as an adult. And she'd um, pushed her prejudice on what could, I could achieve based on where I came from onto me. And it, mm-hmm. it's not until I, you know, got a bit older and I realised, oh, maybe that that's why she said it, because I was super smart at school. I wasn't bad at science. Yeah. I can say that now as I reflect back. But at the time, I, I couldn't. I didn't understand, you know, how what impact where you grow up or where you're born has on your ability to um to engage in things and and your chances in life I just didn't realize that as a child I mean I was in year six like how old are you 11 Mm -hmm. you know you've really hit an important point there that sometimes when you are young and really focused on grades and really focused on you know dreaming big you don't realize your surrounding circumstances can have an impact on your life without you even realizing it. For example, you may not necessarily notice, oh, I don't have as many opportunities because to you, that is the norm. Likewise, yeah. if you are in inner city London or if you are, you know, yeah, if you are in London and you're surrounded by so many different opportunities, different people come to your school because it's close to where they work, you may not realize that you've got more opportunities than mm-hmm. the girl in Bilston who doesn't really get to see much of that but you wouldn't know about, you wouldn't necessarily appreciate it because to you, it's the standard. And yeah. in all of these situations, you haven't necessarily shaped that yourself at that young age, but it's what you've grown into. Mm. Yeah. And I think actually, um, in some ways, I, I I feel like the the lovely, fluffy side of me wouldn't want young people to notice that about them because I think um I think it would hold them back if they if they thought that their choices in life were limited based on x y and z um but then on the flip side to that you know Mm. in some in some young people it can stoke a fire to be like oh I'm not going to be the measure of the area that I grew up in I'm not going to be the measure of the fact that nobody in my family went to university or the measure of the fact that nobody in my street works in the city like that can stoke a fire but for some people it it can plant a seed and that could be the stigma that they carry so it's just such a fine Mm. balance in in trying to be truthful but also um trying to really motivate people to be like you're not you're not um a product of your circumstance you can you can be anything that you want to be and that's you know you've really i keep saying you've hit the nail on the head you just keep you know borderline bob the builder at this point but literally, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it's exactly that's what it's about and it's really all about seeing that no matter where you've come from there's always a different route that you can take. There's always a different way that you can shape your life and have an active role in that journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that I really love about technology now is that I don't have to be in San Francisco to get to know somebody in tech. I don't have to Mm -hmm. be in Newcastle or I don't know where they have farms. Maybe York or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) This is my really bad geography. Um, I so bad but um you know I don't need to be there to connect with a farmer but Mm. because of like technology it means that we can and I feel like if we were to be able to 
make the most out of it when it comes to engaging young people, engaging students and really helping them to see that, yes, this is not outside your door, but it is on the same planet as you, mm. which means that it is something that is attainable. And yeah. um, you're very, it's valid for you to dream of being in that role as well. Yeah, and I think actually saying um, the word valid is so important here because um, young people struggle with validity, you know, throughout their whole lives in lots of different ways. And um, they struggle with validity of popularity, of being mm-hmm. at school, of com- being compared to peers or even siblings. So that t- it's quite a powerful statement to say, actually, this is valid for you. Like you are entitled to this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that really brings me on to this point that a colleague of mine stated, she said that success is relative. And it's been really on my head this whole week because it's so true. And I think the more that young people get comfortable with spe- feeling like, yes, I can shape my own, own destiny, destiny, and yes, my experiences are valid, the better that they'll become because they'll understand that they can define what success means for them without mm. it having to be based on somebody else's threshold or expectations that are so, you know, low down that it's disheartening. Yeah, I think so. And success is relative. What it, what I deem a successful day is probably really completely different to what you would deem a successful day or a successful year in your career is probably very different to what I would deem. And I think we have to remember that as individuals, we have to think of ourselves as individuals. We can't think of ourselves Mm -hmm. as um, a slice of people or a group of people because only then will we realize that success is it's relevant to who you are as a person. Um, and it's not, you know, just because you know somebody from um, that you went to school with is earning X amount of money and you're not, that doesn't mean your success is any any less relevant or, or great. It's just that's your success where you are and it's different to their success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, when you were talking about how, you know, comparing yourself to people who you grew up with, I think sometimes what people forget as well, because we're conditioned to see careers as the pinnacle of like success in our journey life, we forget that success can also come from the other things in life that make you so happy, um, be it, you know, your hobbies or activities. And that is really, really important to remember as well. Yeah. I mean, I've been um, just cooking and eating loads and that I found the joy in food again. And, you know, you get into such a busy life where you just eat, it's a functional um, rather than for joy or for pleasure, you know, and you, you compartmentalize that joy and pleasure at the weekend. So I think throughout all of this, I have been finding um, a real big comfort in food and I'm sure lots of other people <laughs> have as well. Do you know what? I realized the same thing. So growing up, I used to, out of all of my siblings, so for those listening, I'm one of five. And I used to be the one that loved to cook. Like I love to cook for my family. And, you know, I'm that kind of chef that cooks not to eat, but to watch the sheer satisfaction oh, yeah. on the faces of everybody else. Like I'll even I'll even ask them, how is it while they're chewing? And, you yeah. know, I used to experiment and find so many different recipes. And then over time, as I got busier and busier with uni or school or work, that love for cooking and that love for sharing those experiences with people around me turned into i don't have time i just need to yeah. eat for pure survival and yeah. um we recently i've just realized that you know what 
I actually really enjoy this again because it's something that I'm making time to do as and when I can. And I think going back to our point about successes, it's the little things and sometimes you don't appreciate until something happens to really remind you, okay, in spite of everything that's happening, I really care about this. Yeah, and in spite of everything that's happening, I can afford food, I can afford mm-hmm. time to cook. You know, those things are priceless. Um, you know, I, I just think that that's a really lucky and privileged thing to do, and I should do more of it, actually. Exactly. And, you know, on that note, what kind of, based on our conversation and everything we've just reflected on, what would you? what three things would you want people to take home from this? Um, I think if you are somebody who's young and you're listening and you're at the point now where you're about to collect your A-level grades um, in a situation where you're not in control because you haven't sat the exams, that this is not the pinnacle of your life. You're going to achieve so much more. And although Mm. this is scary, actually it's a milestone and you're going to get through it and there's options available to you so use those options um and you know you're entitled to whatever you want as long as you have the passion and the drive to achieve it and thirdly eat some food it makes me feel better when I feel rubbish and if you're feeling anxious or rubbish during this time you know, cook something that you would never usually cook because it's going to take up too much time or it's too skillful or whatever. Go and cook something and eat and your your soul will feel happy after. Do you know what? I really love that. And, you know, it, while you were telling your, saying your points, I just thought of a point for those who are listening who aren't in school um, yeah. or education. My tip to you is it's never too late to reinvent yourself. So a lot oh, of people may be worrying about, you know, where their careers are going to take them what's going to happen if they've been furloughed or made redundant or anything that's happening. And there's so many new opportunities for you and you're never too old or too not really experienced in something to try it out. And your journeys and um, your passion for it will open doors for you. But on that note, thank you so much, Sabrina. If people want to talk to you a bit more, ask you any questions about outreach or your work at Aston University, how can they find you? Uh, they can contact me on Twitter. Um, oh, God, I don't know what my at is. <laughs> I think it's actually <laughs> at Sabrina. Let me just have a look. Uh, yeah, they can get me on Twitter. My at is at Sabrina Kamari. Um, and I'm happy to have any kind of conversation on there with whichever group of people are listening to this and they they just want some further information or advice i'm happy to have that amazing so thank you so much for joining me for virtual coffee and i hope you have a wonderful day 